All right, and we are back with another special EPL edition of the Cousin Soccer Podcast. I am Clark. And I'm Hector. And yeah, like Clark said, uh, we're going to dive into what was the uh, finish to the transfer window in the Premier League um, and just some of the matchups that we saw this past weekend. Um, and I guess, you know, you want to go ahead and get into these last minute transfers before talking scores. <laughs> Yeah, we can do that. Um, So let's start with the fun one of some extra news broke today between United and Sancho, Sancho, however you want to say it. Um, It's an absolute joke. United thought they could straight up nickel and dime Dortmund. And this is a team that's been historically very stern with like, they're like, hey, you want to pay? You want this guy? It's 120. All right. So-and-so won't budge. They won't budge until that fee is met, and United tried every fee but 120 to actually secure the transfer. And someone said, there was some tweet that was like, yeah, we thought they weren't serious. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, they said 120, was... by this date, you didn't do it. You're stupid. So instead, what they did was they signed Cavani on a free for $10 million for two years with the option to sign him an extra year. I think it's absurd because, because like Cavani, for $10 million a year, he's going to need to score. For me to be like, all right, this is a great signing, is like 20 goals. Premier League, yeah, 20 goals, fair. like 10 goals in whatever extra competitions he's a part of because that's won a lot of money. Like That's a very... Like that's just so much money, and then they signed Te- Te- Telez Teas from uh, Porto, who mm-hmm. was known for getting injured on a penalty kick. That was pretty cool. Um, but he's <laughs> going to take over for Luke Shaw at that left back spot, who has just been awful. It's been very fun to watch, and you got to see how bad it's been on that left back spot um, this weekend, <laughs> which we'll get oh, into yeah. a bit. Um, and then they signed. Two guys, one's coming in January, one's from uh, Atalanta, his name's Ahmad Diallo, he's a right winger, eight goals and 11 assists in 27 appearances last season, so that's pretty good uh, performance, and Facundo Palistri, I've never heard of him, Um, he has 37 appearances for his ex-club and two goals and four assists, I guess they saw something that others didn't. Anyways, that they brought in four guys, but only one of them was for a position that they needed. Like, yeah, you got a right winger, but anyways, the the one that I was actually most excited about was Arsenal getting that dude from Atletico, Thomas Partey. Oh yeah, that uh, they paid his release clause on the on the last day, correct? Yeah, and Simeon is apparently pissed. Cause, uh, so uh, they were they were showing uh, recording not recordings of quotes of him like talking to the team, clearly having him in mind being in that squad, and there were stats showing he's like the first in La Liga was like the most created from mid most chances created from midfield, most like interceptions, most forward passes, all of these things that are like okay, Arsenal's pretty serious if they're getting a guy like this. They've struggled yeah, that was, in the uh... midfield. That's, in my opinion, a fantastic signing by Arsenal. Um, Partey's a, a guy who's, 
played in the biggest of matches already. Um, I think he should come into Arsenal and, and take a starting job there the second he's, you know, ready to be fully uh, mixed into the club. Uh, in terms of how Atletico feels about it, it does seem like it was a bit of a surprise to them, although Arsenal had been linked to, to him for a while now. I know in Spain, it's a little bit different. Usually clubs, when they pay a release clause, um, they, they speak directly with the team they're paying it to and you know make it clear what's going on. Whereas in Spain, you can actually sidestep the club. You go through La Liga to get that done. And so that's why it was such a surprise for Atletico because they, they were expecting some sort of heads up, like, a, you know, I guess like at least an email <laughs> that never came. Uh, but, you know, that's football. I'm sure Atletico has made a team feel like that at some point in their transfer history too. Uh, whether it, maybe it's not like a surprise, I'm going to grab this guy, but when there's been plenty of players that force their way out by basically saying, I'm only going to this club, either sell me at a lower price or I'm leaving as a free agent at the end of this. Um, so yeah, I, it'll be fun when those clubs eventually face each other in a competition, just to see if there's anything left over there uh, between one of the two sides. But yeah, that was a, that was a great signing by Arsenal. And just to touch on the Sancho stuff that you mentioned, I agree. I don't know how that guy, I don't know how he's not a Manchester United player right now. Like United knew what it was going to cost and they had the benefit of if they pay it, which in my opinion is like a, it's pricey, but it's a fair fee for the player you're getting. Um, they had the advantage of that if they were willing to pay that, he is going to Manchester United. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to compete against anyone else. Like they knew that it was happening. And the, the issue now is going to be that there's going to be a lot more spending next summer um i would be shocked to see sancho leave in the middle of the season like i i do think he's probably going to head out of Dortmund next summer but now you're going to have a lot of suitors in for him that price is probably only going to go up um and if it if for some reason it didn't go up it's because he's turning into a player that you don't want on your team anymore like he's young his his value should only be trending upwards um and yeah it's going to get more complicated for for united uh and it did seem like he was their favorite target. So yeah, I'm just shocked that at the end of the day, I, I really thought if you had asked me a month ago, I would have thought it might take a while, but eventually they're just going to pay the, the fee and, you know, clean their hands and all right, Sancho's a man, you player. That's it. Uh, instead stays dormant. <laughs> yeah. Instead they got Cavani. When I saw that, I remember I, I posted that in our, in our chat and I was just like, Oh no, Clark's going to freak out. But yeah, he he's definitely gonna have to deliver some big uh, gold tallies to justify the amount of money that's going his way. Cause I I don't know. I think that could have been distributed somewhere else. Cavani doesn't really fit the profile that I I personally think Man U needs. I think they've already got better players than him. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe he'll shock us all and score 25 goals or something. But I mean, there are gonna be a lot of expectations for that. For the fans, at least. Yeah, of course. And don't get me wrong. Like, Cavani is obviously a good player. When he left PSG, he was still a good player. He played for Napoli. was a good player. He's never not been, like, a great goal scorer. It's more just, like, you have goal scorers. You have a fantastic, you know, striker at the moment in Martial and Rashford and in... Greenwood, like, 
you know, all three of them can interchange. It's just Cavani is very static. I'm like, I know he's played on the left before, but it's not, it's not the same. Anyways, we can get on to the matches. Um, we can say the United versus Spurs for later. Yeah, we we'll close. I, I, when we were when I was like, where do we want to jump in? Transfers or scores? I'm like, well, neither one of them is going to be very enticing for Clark. So no. um, <laughs> we'll get the transfer stuff out of the way first. But yeah, we'll leave that one for the end, just because I'm sure there's a lot of thoughts in that match both ways. Yeah, there there's some thoughts for sure. But um, we can, we can start with the first game. Um, I think it was the first game of the weekend. Chelsea Crystal Palace. Yeah. Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea picked up a four nil victory. Absolutely whomped Crystal Palace. I didn't. That's get what to I see had a ton of that too. match. I whomped. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. I didn't get to watch too much of that match, but what I did see was Chelsea just dominating. Like uh, we had been pretty critical of their of their defense, and you know they they put up a clean sheet, so good for them. On the other end, they scored four goals, so the offense was clearly on point that day. I think two of them did come from penalties. Um, but it wasn't like they were completely unearned either. One uh, was a Zuma and a Chilwell goal. So the two that weren't penalties were actually from defenders. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Then the other two were from Jorginho because he takes the PKs, right? Yep. And there's actually so, yeah. some drama over that too with Abraham wanting to take one of the penalties from Jorginho, but he's like, no, <laughs> no <laughs> not <problem>. happening. <laughs> These are mine. Man, and it already a big league because I think it, they scored the first two and then the last two were the PKs. You'd think he'd let them take the second one or something, but whatever. I'll let Chelsea figure that out themselves. Uh, the, you know, the next game on the on the list here, Everton-Brighton. That was a great Just game. another, an, you know, kudos to Brighton for actually playing. You know, they lost 4-2, but they played an entertaining game, mm-hmm. uh, which as a neutral, when I see Brighton on the list, I'm like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to tune into that. But they they actually made it made it worth watching and uh, but on the Everton side, my goodness! Once again, I, we we've said this every episode because it's happened every episode. Dominic Calvert Lewin scored again. Yep. I, I it feels like he's scored a hundred goals already this season. I, I think the actual number is like seven. Six, he scores like that. though all with not only his feet but he's scoring headers too. It's it's impressive stuff and you know I think the real star of that or star of that game was. James Rodriguez with just two goals of his own and then an assist. I think he got the first assist, but geez, yeah, this this team's if they're not they're obviously not gonna out defend you and maybe keep you to a one nil win, but they're gonna attempt to score. They're gonna play interesting soccer and James on a free or whatever it was is like an absolute steal. This team you I've I haven't seen a team that didn't look like they were ready to take that next step because at no point I was like, okay, yeah, they have some young guys. They're all right. At no point did I think an Everton with a Pickford in goal would be top of the table, not even like three games in or four games in. Yeah. They're like you said, they're at, they're at the top right now. They are playing some amazing football. And yeah, you mentioned James what a signing that's been like the dude has stepped in and has not missed a beat, but you know, this is, this is Hamas. A lot of, I guess because he was overshadowed at a few clubs, especially at Real Madrid, people kind of forgot how good he is. And he's he's just reminding everyone right now, like, Hey, I'm, I'm still, I'm still up there as one of the best players. It's, it's awesome to see. I love, I love how well he's been playing that team as a whole. Like you said, they, 
they might get scored on a bit. I'm sure that'll that'll cause some issues for them at some point this season. But for now, you know, they're pulling out these results. 12 points out of a possible 12. You know, undefeated run to start the season. Yeah, no, can't complain about that. Uh, the next game after that actually was really fun too. The Leeds Man City. Yeah. And one, I don't know what's up with Man City, but two, Leeds is still super awesome to watch. Like, can they play every game? So Leeds, I, I don't know the last time I saw a club that you know Man City is supposed to be do this to them, but Leeds yeah. had more shots on target, more possession, completed more passes, like all around. They, you know, took it to Man City, and they, luckily for them, you know, they got that, they got a draw, which they 100% deserved. Uh, yeah, you said, what's up with City? I don't know, man. They they only had two shots on target the entire game. Uh, it's so weird to see them not win a possession battle, because that's, like, the basis of their club, it feels like. Um, and, yeah, they're, they've got a not-so-great start so far. Um, they, they've only played three matches, so that, that's one of the reasons they're lower in the table. But they only have four points so far out of, out of a possible nine. Um, and that's just not what you would expect out of Man City to start a season. Especially, no. you know, they they haven't had the easiest of schedules. They played uh, Wolves, Leicester, and Leeds. But after that 3-1 win over Wolves, it, it's been followed up by a 5-2 loss to Leicester and a 1-1 draw with Leeds. Uh, their next matchup is against Arsenal. Uh, on the 17th, mm-hmm. uh, that'll probably be a game that they're easily motivated for, and maybe that's when they start turning things around. But if they don't, like, they're, the, the Premier League is a little bit wide open this year with some of the slow starts that a, a few of the big clubs are having. and um, I'm sure they're going to get it going at some point, but if they keep dropping results, at the end of the year, they're not going to win, and they're going to be wondering what happened. And you're going to look back at the start of the season and see, oh, we drew or lost to like five clubs that we should have beaten. And that's where it's going to, you know, come down to. And that's that's one of the things about, you know, the Premier League in general. It's like this is a team that we thought would be top of the table accompanied with Liverpool. But it's it's such a tough league. We keep seeing that this each week for the past, you know, four weeks so far that. It is easily the most competitive, um, you know, tournament when it comes to top-level soccer. You're not seeing the same three teams beat the crap out of anyone, but you know each other. Uh, so that it, it's it makes it interesting. I love seeing the parody, but it is a little worrying for I guess Man City fans just to see a team that you know was was kicking ass. I mean, you got De Bruyne, you got Sterling. You got Riyad Mahrez. You have so many players that could start on literally any team that maybe the biggest departure from that team is still David Silva was maybe not having him. I don't know if company is still on the team. He may have retired, but I think company is on Anderlecht now. Okay. So that's, that's two pretty big departures when it comes from pure, just guys that have been there and done it, you know? Yeah. That definitely has an effect. Even if it's just like, the motivation and like the attitude that the club has, like that's what those players tend to affect the most when they're in that stage of their career. And yeah, you're seeing it a little bit with them right now. Another team that had a very interesting uh, game yet again was West Ham versus Leicester. And I did the same thing where I was like, I don't want to watch West Ham. I think it was also early <laughs> too. So I didn't watch it. And then I woke up to see the score be three nil. I was yeah. 
blown away. That was the early Sunday game. I also did not catch that one. And But yeah, when I saw the score, I was obviously expecting a Leicester win. And another dub for, for West Ham. Um, they are currently 10th in the table. Two wins, two losses. They they lost their first two matches and have picked up two, two wins now in a row. So they've got to be happy with how things are going. Because that's a club that, as we talked about in the past, have been in a relegation battle. And now they've got back-to-back games, uh, Wolves and Leicester, that they picked up wins. Um, that could be a real difference maker for them down the line. Um, and then really the next next game of note was Aston Villa Liverpool. Uh, oh man! And Aston Villa, what that a was. Game. I'm just more just impressed with how all around complete that performance was by Aston Villa, like shutting down Liverpool the way they did and just scoring this many goals on them. That's like, I think that's more goals than was scored in like five games. Like last season. I don't even know, but Grealish with a hat trick of assists and then two goals. And then Watkins, I think their new signing getting a hat trick and an assist like Ross Barkley getting on the score sheet after getting uh, loaned out. That's a lot of big stuff. I mean, Aston Villa, that's a huge surprise. Huge. Yeah. Those, those seven goals uh, would be roughly 20% of the goals that Liverpool gave up last season. That's disgusting. They gave up 33 goals last year, and you know they let in seven in that match, which is just Jeez. insane to see. I don't know the last time I saw Liverpool get just wiped off the you know off the off the earth basically, because that was a completely dominating performance by West Ham. And yeah, all the so many different guys scored and just everyone played well. That was a super entertaining game to watch. I was just, I was in awe of what Aston Villa was doing. Now Liverpool probably is going to bounce back similar to what we're talking about with Man City, but they've got to be a little bit concerned because they have been letting in quite a few goals this season. Um, whether that's just complacency or maybe a th- small decline in, in, just skills from, from from a few guys, but you know that's not a it's not an old back line. That's not a back line that you would Super be expecting young. for them to decline. Yeah, if anything, it could get even better. Um, I'm sure they'll figure it out, but they do have things to figure out. They whatever their strategy was that game, they cannot come out like that again. Even against you know <clears throat> what you'd consider clubs that aren't on that same tier as them. And if anything, just real quick, uh, Jack Grealish, that was kind of part of the reason a lot of people like that game in particular was one of the reasons a lot of people were hoping Aston Villa went down. So his price tag would, you know, be cut like in half or whatever it was. Cause he's obviously very talented and needs a bit of pieces around him to really thrive as a player. And you don't expect him to have two goals and three assists against Liverpool on a, this Aston Villa team that literally fought the last day to get out of the relegation zone. Speaking of a team that might be in the relegation zone, Manchester United got absolutely destroyed um, by Tottenham on Sunday the 4th. That was, it started super interesting, uh, immediate penalty, and then Spurs react, then Spurs score again, and then it basically biggest part biggest issue with the game that kind of killed it for me 
well, I was, it was dead from like very early on. But the er- thing that really killed it for me was just the red card to Martial because Eric Lamella being the total bitch he was. Like, I was always a fan of his ability, but his flopping is so hard to watch. It is so extreme. He got tapped and acted like he got like uppercut by someone and was rolling on the floor. And you're like, you look at the replay, both of them probably should have been sent off. Or if you were going to be a good referee, just give them both a freaking yellow and let it go. Just be like, all right, not a real foul. You both get a yellow. Stop doing this. And then they both stop it. And the game doesn't turn into one to six. But regardless, not good enough on many levels from you have what? Maguire was just absolute trash. De Gea, I just don't think he should play. I don't even I don't even remember if he played poorly because how bad the back <laughs> line played. Like the only person that should have played that game and looked well or looked good was uh I can't even remember Juan Basaka. He was the only player on that back line that I was like, okay, yeah, he's doing something, but Bailly had an awful game. Maguire had an awful game. Luke Shaw looks like he's freaking rolling around on the ground eating Big Macs. Like, what's this dude doing? And then the midfield just got absolutely dominated. Like, Sun and... Okay, so real quick. Last season, I think I talked, he would say a lot in chat, was like, why is Kane so far back? He's doing so much. Why is he not in the box? Like, this is a dude that needs to be in the box and score. Mourinho has unlocked something with him that is just super impressive because this is a guy that I was like, all right, what his best qualities are when he is in the box, one touch like volleys, headers, just maybe one or two touches to score. And he's pulling off passes that are just, I didn't know he could do that. He's turning into a real number 10 and it's just like, come on. That completely changes the dynamic of the team too. Yeah, what uh, what Mourinho's oh. been able to do with him has been super impressive because, uh, I mean, Kane, I think he's up to something like six assists already this season, something crazy like That's that. A lot. And I think la- I know last year he only had two in the Premier League, and to already blow past that total tells you. I mean, he's been he's been fantastic. Um, on the on the red card thing, I I actually agree when. When the ref went to go look at it, I thought what, what he was going to come back and do was just give a, a yellow to both sides. I know I know by the rules, if you strike someone in the face, it's a red card. But, like, there's there's a, to me, there's a line between, like, following the rules to what it says and, like, actually refing the flow of a game. So, like, I don't know if that's something that refs need to talk about and be like, hey, we need to adjust how we handle these things. Because I agree. Like, by the letter of the law, that's a red card. But when you're talking about like what's what's in the best interest of soccer, it's just giving them both a yellow and letting the game go on. Because um, that definitely did just completely open the floodgates in a way that, sure, Tottenham had been looking very dangerous even before that. But once that happened, it was like, okay, that, that just took the air out of anything that Manchester United was trying to do. Um I agree 100% with the performance of the Man U backline. There's that clip that's been going around everywhere where Maguire <laughs> takes out his own teammate. And I think that's what led to the first goal uh, that Dombele scored. When I, I didn't see it happen in real time, when I saw the replay, I couldn't help but laugh because I was just like, goodness, what are you like? It's really all you one, he should have just cleared it when that ball 
you know, he, he headed it back towards the goal, basically, but, like, off to the side instead of to De Gea. I don't know. Um, yeah, really, really poor performance there. And I thought, I agree, the midfield, that's somewhere where when going into the game, I thought that was an area where Man U can kind of impose their will on Tottenham when, like, Pogba and Bruno are, like, really playing well. But it wasn't even... I mean, I, I had some issues with, with the way Pogba played, particularly when he kind of fell asleep on uh, Serge Aurier's goal on that through ball that uh, Hoiberg played. I think I stopped watching, but I was I was done at 1-3. to three. Pogba basically floated too far into the inside instead of covering the left back, and Serge just marched into the goal and had a super easy shot at it and scored it. But uh, the, I think the, the biggest difference maker there for, for Tottenham, at least, and what what has let them kind of impose their own will on other teams where it used to be the other way around is that instead of facing a midfield of say Musa Sissoko, Harry Winks and Eric Dyer, which all solid players, all players that deserve spots on the premier league uh, in the premier league. Now you're suddenly facing midfields that consist of uh, Hoiberg, who has been an incredible defensive mm-hmm. midfielder for Tottenham so far. Uh, and the, the, the biggest change here in my opinion is a tangy and Dembele who is actually bought into what's going on like seeing what he's been able to do these last few games i'm like okay this is the reason they paid like 60 million dollars for yeah. him because he can just do he it can all. take first off he can recover the ball even if he isn't playing that far back like he can be that outlet like he can create that outlet pass and he sees things that other players just don't see he's He's phenomenal, and I hope that what you know, whatever has changed between him and Mourinho, I hope that lasts. Because Tottenham with a player like that in the midfield, especially comboed up with Hoiberg, and long term, um, you're probably talking about in in this game you saw Sissoko start, but long term you're hoping for Giovanni Lo Celso to take that. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about a very very dangerous midfield that then in front of them, you know, in this game you had Huming Son, Harry Kane, and Lamella. All of a sudden you work in gareth bale. bale yeah it's just it's gonna be a problem for a lot of clubs and <clears throat> one thing that i was just thinking about that i hadn't seen you know son is notorious for how quick he is um but in this game in particular seeing regulone and son on the same side that was scary like, man that is going to be a i hope that's something that tottenham uses to their advantage because there's not a lot of clubs that are going to be able to keep up with that um and yeah just on the rest of it I was pretty happy when when man you got that that PK one it was it was actually a fair PK like I'm I was just glad it wasn't a handball I was like well I can't complain about this one yeah uh, when that one went in I was like well this is gonna what a great start to my Sunday and uh, I I was just you know even taking away the six one result which is obviously great for Tottenham like more than that seeing the the quick response instead of just seeing them kind of give up on the game that early. Um, that was really, really encouraging to see. And uh, yeah, just so there was a lot of bad in this game. Some of it not directly man fault. Like we said, we both are in agreement that probably should not have been a red in terms of just the, the, the flow of football. Um, but before that, it, it Tottenham did expose some, some issues with that man you back line. And maybe Alex Tay is, I, I remember when I, when I saw Luke Shaw, I was like, is this how big he is? Like, yeah, he's, not he's to like a like, bowling ball, like not, even not to mean. like be a bully, like, but that just isn't ideal for no, for you know when you're trying to keep up with other soccer players. So. Play rugby. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not like he looks out like, of shape. No, he just, actually just doesn't looks look too like big. a left back. Like actually, his most successful time was when they played a back three, and he was the left center back. See, that of would a back make three. sense. Yeah, that's where you could ask for more. You know, like a bigger guy to kind of body some people. But on that wing, when you're trying to keep up with like Serge Aurier and stuff, like that's gonna that's just gonna be trouble. And um, I don't know if it's like anything he's doing necessarily wrong. I think it's just he has developed into a different person than like developed into a different body type than they probably expected when they got him when he was like 18, they got him when he was like 16, yeah. only like 20. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's that, that's not, he's not the first player to kind of, he just isn't the right fit for, for what man U is trying to play nowadays. And they, yeah, readjust, and but yeah, like you said, but oh. yeah, so I think, I think Tejas can, can do a good job stepping in there. I know Tejas isn't as strong defensively, but he does bring a lot on the offensive. And right now I don't think Man U's really getting anything out of that left back spot. So if you can at least yeah. get like a small improvement defensively, but a big one offensively, I think that's going to be more than welcome. Um, I was really surprised to see uh Vandebeek off the bench again. Like yeah, I thought no for sure he'd be getting worked into the starting lineup by now. Not sure if that's just like a – I mean, we're not watching training, so maybe there's something going on there that they don't think he's quite there yet. But I think uh, overall, like, it's just with, – with a club uh, a club like Man U, with, with how much they have, like how much money they have, they could fix a few more things, like, quickly. It's hard to imagine that, uh, you know, you're not going to see another bad game from them like this this season. It'll probably happen a few more times. I think this is – close to as, as bad as it gets. And hopefully that's a wake up call for some of the players. Cause I know I mentioned him earlier, Paul Pogba. I, on the same, I think it was last episode. I talked about how much I love Paul Pogba yeah. when, when he's focused and tuned in, he's one of the easily 10 best players in the world, but he just has too many games like this one where, you know, like I said, the red card certainly affected things, but even before that, he just looked mentally out of it, just kind of falling asleep on his defensive duties and, on offense just didn't look like he was pushing to get into too much stuff. And a guy like him in the center of the midfield. I mean, I saw it last year with Endombele. You'd see him and you're like, you can be the best player on this team if you want to be. Mm-hmm. And when, when they're not, it, it's so blatant and you're just, it's very disappointing because you're like, you have the talent. Like I don't expect you to be perfect. I don't expect it every single match, but it's too often to like be tolerated. And I have, I've always thought Pogba, like, you know, he's got a loud personality and I actually like that. I think that's, he's, he's a super fun player. I I like players who are that just outgoing. Um, I never really bought into the whole, Oh, he's lazy and all that. And I don't think he's lazy. I think he just has an issue with it's inconsistency, but I do think it's something that he can fix. I think it's just a, it's a mental thing. Like he just needs to be bought in no matter the situation, like even if things aren't going his way from the start, like don't let that be what decides what the rest of the, like what the next 90 minutes are going to look like for you. I think the biggest issue with that specifically, and I think you're seeing it across the entire team has to do with the team's ambitions with what the front office is not, the same you know you have these guys that were told oh yeah we're gonna make signings we're gonna get these guys bring these guys in to really reinforce this team and they're not seeing that they obviously didn't see that in 
you know, the signing of Cavani and only Tejas with Vandebeek, where Vandebeek and Tejas were two dudes that, like, yeah, those are both good signings, but still needed. We obviously are seeing now Maguire wasn't <laughs> an $80 million, you know, signing. You're seeing we need another center back. We need, you know, obviously needed a left back. We need another right wing. It's just there's so many pieces that there's not there's no depth, right? Like if Rashford gets hurt, who do you put in? Daniel James at like out of position left wing or something. It's just yeah, I'm sure all of these players are sick of hearing the media say, All I all I gotta go, you know, he's he doesn't know what he's doing when in reality he hasn't been supported at all. And you see it in a performance like one to six because he didn't even have words like truly for what happened on that game. You saw his reaction at some of the stuff and he's just like, I don't know. Well, Ed Woodward's sitting there with his mask looking like a gremlin. <laughs> like, Oh man. Yes. Perfect. I can, I, I don't even know what he's thinking. Cause really it's, it's unacceptable for a team of this size and it's hard to watch. Like if, were I a star player and I knew this front office was still here, like I wouldn't want to come here, you know? Like yeah, if you weren't English too, that's the big part. But that's yeah. something that I, I, I definitely think is true. And it's something that if Man U continues down this road of being so stingy, it's going to be something that eventually is going to affect them. Because yeah, I agree a hundred percent. If you're, you know, one of the top players and all of a sudden you have a chance to take that next step up, you naturally look at Manchester United as one of those clubs, regardless of the situation that they're currently in, because it's Manchester United. It's the same reason you look at like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, all those. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you actually sit down and you're like, okay, on top of going to a big club, what's the current situation? Like, what am I going to deal with when I walk into that club? And if you're talking about a club that like you said, the ambition from the people up top doesn't match the ambition of the players and the coaching staff. Not a lot of motivation to go because that's not like, I don't, I know some people are like, well, you know, people should want a challenge. I don't see that as a challenge. I'd see that as like you're handicapping yourself by going to a situation that isn't ideal. Like if, if Manchester United calls and is offering you the same salary as say, Bayern Munich, like, why would you even think twice about it? Like, I can go win trophies, win the Champions League with Bayern Munich, or I can come over here where it's going to be a media headache, uh, a headache on the field at times, a headache with the people that are my bosses. Like, yeah, it, something needs to change there. I don't know if it's – I don't know who can get fired. I don't know who can come in and change things, but things do need to change because although Manchester United is the brand that it is – the first people that are going to kind of take notice and maybe have a different perception are the players. That's going to happen before fans do. Like fans are always going to see Man U as Man U. But when you're the person that's actually making a decision of like going to, you know, a career, a life decision, like those things are going to weigh. Because you know you're going somewhere where right now it just doesn't seem like they're willing to, you know, put as much into it as you would want, like as much as the players want. Mm-hmm. Not so true, and I think you're you're seeing fans um, starting to kind of revolt. But the issue comes down to the way the team, I think it's publicly traded, so 
so that makes it harder or it's privately owned no it's privately owned by the glazer family who then basically just use it they they just use it to they have all, all they've done in the past since requiring the club is pay off interest not paying off debt of the company or of the of the club it's it's an absolute show that's not fun to watch um like when it works you're like wow yeah they have these th three bright stars up top but then anyways i could go on for years i think we both really could <laughs> at this point um obviously like we said not good enough spurs demolished them completely outperformed them and it was a deserved loss and jose can jose Mourinho can do all the jabbing he wants because it was just it was that uh other than that yeah i don't have any other games that were too exciting like you know i we could talk about the maybe touch on maybe the newcastle burnley match but 3-1 newcastle good for newcastle arsenal 1-2-1 against sheffield good for arsenal uh pretty much it premier league was interesting this week hopefully next time after the international break we'll have some fun news um good international performances things to come back on and things to be excited for nailed it and yeah i think um the the next round of games doesn't start for the for the premier league won't be until i believe the 17th mm -hmm. the weekend of the 17th yep. uh so it's gonna Two be some days break. off uh, we were talking about it. We might drop a, we'll, we're still going to keep doing our Atlanta United one cause they'll still be playing. Um, and to kind of fill in for the premier league one, you guys might get a international soccer podcast. Um, cause that'll just depend on if there's anything entertaining enough going on in that world. There usually is. Uh, and if there is, you know, we'll be here talking about it. Of course. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter at TCousinsSP. Sometimes we live tweet stuff. Sometimes we don't, depending on how upset we are in the moment. Um, and if you want to review us, you can always review us on Apple Podcasts, I think on Spotify, really wherever. And thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to send them on Twitter or really wherever. It doesn't matter. Um, but thanks. And we'll... You can listen to us next time.